Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. As longtime members of the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, or Bella, know, we offer a special concierge service whereby Bella members who have any questions at all about ethics and compliance can send them to us, and then our internal experts will provide an answer and or direct them to a helpful resource with more information. Some of these concierge requests are rather specific to a particular company's needs, but many of them represent broad challenges facing Bella members. That's why we're using this show to thematically respond to high-level questions from the Bella community. Joining us to offer her answers to these questions is Bella Chair Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, welcome. It's wonderful to see you on the show once again. Bill, thank you so much for having me back. It is my pleasure to keep answering these great questions that we get from our Bella community. Well, this one comes from the training category. And the mm -hmm. question reads, I want to restructure my training program. Where do I start? This is kind of like a boiling the ocean sort of question, but it's so important. So it I'd is. love to get your thoughts on this. It is so important, Bill. And, and a little bit of it plays into the episode that you and I recorded together on Code of Conduct Refresh, right? Because it's the same fundamental question, which is how do I get information into my employees' hands and heads to enable them to make the right choices at the moment in time that I need them to make that choice, right? That is, that, let me rephrase, that should be <laughs> the point of training, right? Um, and so I think the first thing to do if you're thinking about redesigning your training program is to take a step back and to say to yourself, why am I training in the first place, right? Am I training because I wanna be able to show in the event of an issue that I trained? Or am I training because I'm trying to actually get information into people's heads in a way that is sustainable, efficient, and effective. Because that is gonna guide a little bit of the decision-making you make as you think about how to redesign the training program. If you are in the latter bucket, right, that like I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of problems, then the place to start is risks. And so if you've done a risk assessment, which you should have, because that is a key piece of a strong compliance program. If you've done a recent risk assessment, you sit down with those risks, and then you ask yourself, who is likely to present me with these risks? You can do that ask by function. You can do that ask by region. You can do that ask by job responsibilities. Um, any one of those are perfectly you know, legitimate, reasonable ways to, to do that, that analysis. And then you assign that training to those, those people who present you with that risk. Your next question is, okay, how am I gonna deliver this training? Am I gonna deliver it live? Uh, you know, am I gonna deliver it online? Am I gonna deliver it through a short flight series of you know, mini trainings? Am I gonna actually get at this through communications? Because training increasingly, and I'm delighted to see this, is being thought of as employee education, which it has a training and communications component built into it, right? So it's not just training, it's also, it's, it's really being thought of as ongoing education. So those would be the places I would start, right? Start with my risks, who present me, presents me with those risks, and then how am I gonna get this information into their heads in the right efficient way possible? That should then guide the rest of your decisions, right? Then you can say, okay, you know, everybody needs to have a strong understanding across the employee base of these six topics. Great, those are the topics that I'm gonna cover in my code of conduct training because that goes out to all employees. I'm gonna think about the right way to do code of conduct training. Maybe I'm gonna path my code of conduct training. Maybe I'm gonna ask you questions in the training that says, do you do this? Yes, no. Well, the yes is gonna take you down one path, the no is gonna take you down a different path. Those kinds of decisions on the part of the compliance team 
help the employee feel like they're getting something customized. And the way we all absorb information today, we get it customized, right? I log on to Amazon and they're like, hey, these are the last nine things you bought. A little schizophrenic. Are you buying for more than one person? But I think you might like these six things. That is the way that we are increasingly accustomed to getting information. And so if you can do something similar in your compliance education that says, I get you, Bill, right? You need these five topics. You don't need these six topics. You don't present me with a KYC risk, so I'm not going to ask you to take KYC training. That is going to mean that you're going to feel like I know who you are and you're going to be more likely to trust the program. So it's time really well spent to figure out that risk mapping of who, where, what, and, and then and then tackle the how. So do you mind if I ask you a follow-up question? Please. I'm going to guess it was about a year ago or so. Uh, there was a terrific Bella working group uh, on training that put out mm -hmm. this fantastic white paper. It's on the Bella Resource Center. I encourage everybody to go take, take a look at it. Um, it's really just a fascinating read. And it talks about... Uh, best practices and training uh, and how these best practices are shifting. And one of the things that I took from that report that really struck me is how there is an orthodoxy around training, an old time kind of orthodoxy mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, it, it's built around like these massive, like three hour long trainings, you know, marathons, things, and all these other kinds of behaviors that have been proven they don't really work that well. Like what we're yep. doing, what we're seeing as best practices now with all the things you mentioned are way more effective and way more uh, just efficacious at, at delivering, you know, information to people. But as I read that, I kept thinking orthodoxy can be a hard thing to, to shed. So I'm kind of wondering if, if you have an organization that, you know, if they're looking to restructure the training program, perhaps to get away from these old practices that they know don't work, Mm -hmm. But perhaps there's like an organizational inertia around them. This is how we've always done this. Why are we changing now? Do you have any you have any insights on how somebody can approach it from that point of view and and sort of addressing not just embracing new training methodologies that work really well, but also getting people to get behind um, sort of discarding older practices that have been proven not to work so well? Yeah. Um, well, so point number one would be read that white paper. <laughs> <laughs> because read it, it actually, read it twice. It's really good. Read it twice, um, <laughs> because it gets into that in a little bit, in a little bit of detail, right? Um, I mean, look, compliance training in particular still suffers from the peanut butter approach, right? Spread it thick and spread it even. Everybody gets the same thing. That way I know I didn't miss anyone. God forbid I'd, you know, forget to send FCPA training to a particular person who then engages in corrupt behavior and then we're on the hook for a particular issue. There is a fear of missing someone, right? That drives that kind of behavior. You have to figure out how to satisfy yourself that you haven't missed anyone while acknowledging that when you take the peanut butter approach, you wind up with a lot of people who don't wanna eat your sandwich. I realize I'm completely beating this metaphor to death, but when you take the peanut butter approach, you have a lot of people whose, uh, whose attitude about compliance education becomes, oh my God, not this again. Are you kidding me? What, like eye rolling, you know, hand, on the phone, clicking the slides, paying no attention because you've, you've lost them, right? You've lost them as an audience. And so instead of thinking about your compliance training as an exercise in risk prevention, right? In like, I can't, I can't not send it to everybody because then I might've missed someone. Think about it as issue mitigation, right? You are trying to reach an audience 
with information that will change their behavior. And, and you just, you have to keep reminding yourself of that. You have to embed yourself in the adult learning research. You have to read the people who know how our brains absorb information. You have to wrap your head around the fact that for, for if, if you teach me something and I can't use it in six weeks, 72% of it is gone, right? Gone, zero retention of that information because I haven't been able to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Those things have to inform our training. Because if they don't, we are never going to engage the audience we're trying to reach. Well, Erica, thank you so much for lending us your insights and for answering the questions from the Bella community. I know they really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Our viewers really appreciate it. So thanks again for coming on to the show. My pleasure, Bill. And to all those Bella members out there listening, keep the questions coming, okay? I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. To learn more about Bella, please visit bella.ethisphere.com to request guest access to the Bella Member Resource Hub and to speak to a Bella Engagement Director. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, remember... Strong ethics is good business. Ethics doesn't just happen. You need to put in the time. So make sure to register for the 15th Annual Global Ethics Summit, a live and virtual event in Atlanta, Georgia, from April 22nd through the 24th. Save $200 by using the code ETHICAST at registration. To learn more, visit attendges.com.